Who do you think you are? <laughs> Normally, it's something we hear when somebody's annoyed at us, isn't it? Like, who do you think you are? Yeah, <laughs> that's not the point of our message today. Um, we are looking at what makes us us. What makes you you and me me? What defines who we are? Where do we find our identity? Um, and society tells us lots of ways that we um, can find our identity. We can define who we are. Does anybody here have one of these? I'm not going to hold it up too long because, you know, we're all live on camera and someone might steal my identity. And <laughs> I'm going to keep moving it about. Um, this is my driver's license. <laughs> and legally, this is my identity. Okay, this tells me I have a name. It tells me I'm married. It tells me I'm British. It tells me that I live at my address. Um, it tells me I look like this picture. And <laughs> for now, <laughs> and it tells me I can drive apparently. Um, so this, this could be my identity, right? This, this is who I am. <laughs> or maybe, maybe it's not that simple. Maybe um, my identity comes from my relationships with other people. Um, I don't know about you, but when I was at school, it was all about who you knew. If you were friends with certain people, or if someone was your boyfriend or girlfriend and they were socially acceptable and cool, then you were socially acceptable and cool. That's how it works, right? So in that way, my identity would be that I am Tom's wife or Rob's daughter or Kate's friend. It comes from my um, relationships with other people. So maybe that's where I find my identity. Maybe my identity comes from my job. Maybe um, my position in the company, how much I earn. Society likes to tell us that the people that earn the most are the, the more important people, yeah? <laughs> um, in that case, I am not important this year because most of you know I'm not working this year. So I hope that's not the answer. Or maybe our identity comes from social media. Who here has got a social media account of some sort? Yeah? And maybe it comes from how many followers we have, how many friends we have, how many likes we get on our posts. Maybe it's about the person we want to put out to the world. Maybe we want to be this popular person, so we put that on our profile, or we want to be this fashionable person, or an eco-warrior, or even a super-Christian. Anybody else follow super Christians on Instagram? <laughs> yeah, the people that just seem to never have anything going wrong in their lives because they're just so holy. And they, because of that, they have all this time to give us motivational quotes and um, tell us all about um, <laughs> what we should be doing with our lives um, and seem to also have thousands and thousands of followers because of that. So maybe, maybe we put out this persona of who we want to be. We create a profile of who we want to be. Maybe we choose our identity. But the problem with all these things is that none of them are reliable. If I choose to put my identity in any of those things, then I set myself up for a crisis because all of those things could change in a day. If I put my identity in my position in my company, but then I lose my job, am I still me? 
If I put my um, identity in my role as a wife, but then my husband leaves me, am I still me? If I put my identity in my social media account, but then I do something to upset my followers, am I still me? Or even these basic facts. Ooh. Wow, there you go, that's so much. I appreciate my driver's license. <laughs> even these basic facts on my driver's license, they change. You know, my name when I got married had to change on here. I had to send up for a new identity. My address when we moved house, I had to send off for a new identity. So none of these things are reliable. So then how do I find out who I'm meant to be, who I am? Well, as most of you are at church today, you're probably going to guess my answer is in God. <laughs> so for my part of this series, I'm going to take us back to Genesis and our identity that God made us with. In Genesis 1, verse 26 to 27, it says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So the Bible tells us that we're made in the image or the likeness of God. Now, there's two kind of main arguments um, of what that actually means. What, what does the image of God mean? The first of those is that the image of God refers to our role on this earth to care for the planet, the, the verse that follows him being, uh, us being made in the image of God. Um, and that comes from the rulers and the kings at the time who would call themselves the image of God because they um, wanted to assert their authority as the rulers of the earth. They were like gods on earth. Um, so therefore, if we want to think of it like that, then maybe our identity and our, maybe the image of God comes from our role as stewards of the earth, as carers for the earth, as people that are called to carry on God's creation with creativity and imagination and our skills and ideas. Maybe that is where our image comes from, what we do for God, what we are called to do. But then there's another argument, which is that the image of God is more about reflecting God through us. And I think the easiest way to explain this is to think about um, a parent and child. So for me, I am unique, I am Beth, but I have a likeness to my parents. So... When, um, when I was a child, I was told I looked like my mother. When people looked at me, they saw my mother. So in the same way, when people look at me, they would see God in this, um, in, if, we, if that's what we think the image of God is. Um, or maybe it's my personality traits are like my parents. So I get told I'm quite like my dad in my personality. Um, we're both quite level-headed. We both hate mornings. So maybe I am, I am in the likeness of my father. 
Um, so in that way, we are, in the, we are made in the likeness of God, to be like him. And how do we know what God is like? Does it mean that um, we, we are omnipresent and that we are all-knowing and all-powerful? No, it doesn't. But it means that we have these characteristics that are like God. And we can find out what those characteristics are by spending time with him and getting to know him and through the Bible, which tells us all about what God is like. Um, some examples of which I have here that should come up on the screen. Um, so the Bible tells us that the Lord is righteous. He loves justice. The upright will see his face. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. But you, Lord, are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who care, uh, call to you. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. So that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in being in his son Jesus Christ. These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. For God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. So just from these verses alone, and there's so many more verses, I'm telling you now, this is just a, a snippet of them. We know that God is righteous, he loves justice, he is good, he's loving, he's compassionate, he's gracious, he's slow to anger, he's faithful, forgiving, true, joyful, peaceful. So in my opinion, I think both of these arguments are correct. I think we have a role and a part of our identity is what we do and stewarding the earth and caring for God's creation. And we also reflect God's character through us. So there you have it then. So when you look at me, you see this person that looks after the earth really well and makes the world better and I'm loving and kind and gracious and good all the time. Yeah? <laughs> Maybe not. You see, the story didn't end, unfortunately, with God creating us in his image. When we read on through the story, we see that Adam and Eve um, didn't settle for, well, didn't want to just reflect God. They wanted to be equal to God. And it says that they made this choice to eat from the tree of the um, knowledge of good and evil. And that they were under the opinion that if they did that, then they, would, they wouldn't just reflect God's image, but they would actually be equal to God. And as a result of that, death and evil and what the Bible calls sin were allowed to enter the world. In Romans 5 verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. So while there's still this part of humans that is designed to be godlike and designed with his character inside of us, there's also now this other thing that battles for our hearts. And it's what the Bible calls sin. And sin is a really old-fashioned um, abstract word that we don't use in the 21st century. 
Um, and it can be hard to know what sin is. What does it mean? Um, a lot of the time when we describe sin, maybe we just say the bad stuff, the, the bad things. But I don't think that explains why we shouldn't do it. Because in our society, being bad is cool, right? <laughs> On the TV programs, the baddies are the cool ones. Yeah? So um, to understand what sin is, I think we have to look at the original Hebrew. And the original Hebrew tells us that sin was basically to miss the goal or to miss the mark. And as Christians, we believe that the goal or the mark or what we're commanded to do is to love God and to love other people. So sin is basically failure to love God and failure to love others. It's the thing that makes us want to put ourselves before God and ourselves before others. And sin is the opposite to that character of God that lives inside of us. So we have these two conflicting sides of us as a result of this. So there's this side of us that wants to be loving and kind and forgiving and good. And then there's this other side of us that wants to put ourselves before others, that wants to love ourselves before God. We want to have justice for the poor, but we also want to benefit from an unjust society. We want to be inclusive of people, but we don't want to be friends with certain people. We want to be slow to anger and forgiving, but we also want to see that person that hurt us hurt. Yeah? Just me? <laughs> There's these two sides, um, and they're in battle. And this week, I found this out um, for myself. I saw this in myself. Um, some of you will know this week, I had a lady um, crash into the back of my car as I was trying to pull out on a roundabout. I know, I know. It's okay, I've recovered. <laughs> um, and then what's worse is this lady got out of the car and then decided to shout at me um, and start being quite verbally abusive at me, um, even though she was the one that had driven into the back of me. <laughs> um, and there were two sides of me in that moment. There was the side that wanted to be calm and loving and patient and um, to think the best of this woman and just see it, maybe she's having a bad day, maybe she didn't realize what was going on. But there was this other side of me. <laughs> and this other side of me is far too much of a wimp to have got out of the car and started yelling back, okay? That is not how I would have got my own back. But these days, we don't need to deal with the situation right there and then because we have something called the internet. <laughs> and, and we have something um, in our area called the Brockworth Facebook page. And the Brockworth Facebook page is a way that you can air all your grievances <laughs> that have happened in the local area. <laughs> and it would have been really tempting, it was really tempting for me to go on and call out that woman and say, this is what she did. <laughs> and she was in the wrong and shame her in front of everybody. You'll be glad to know I did not do that. But do you know what? The temptation is there, isn't it? The it's easy. It's easy to make the wrong choice. Yeah, it's easy to put our own hurts before loving others and loving God. And if we're not careful, this character of God that's inside of us can become defaced by the sin. Okay? 
But that's not the end of the story either. Because, you see, God knew that while this power of sin reigned over, reigned over us and had that power in us, we would never be able to be who he called us to be and he created us to be. So he sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus was the very image of God. He was the image of God that wasn't warped by sin. It says in Hebrews that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. When we look at Jesus, we see the image of God. We see how it is to live the lives we were made to live before sin entered this world. And Jesus didn't fail to love God. And Jesus didn't fail to love others. In fact, Jesus loved us so much that he took that sin and he put it on himself. And in dying on the cross, he took authority over that power of sin and death. Sin, the power of sin and death were defeated. I'm going to repeat that. The power of sin and death were defeated. Sin and death don't get to win. Sin and death don't get to tell us who we are. They don't get to take our identity. We get to live as the people God created us to be in his image. Angie gets to live as the Angie she was created to be. Kate gets to live as the Kate she was created to be. I could go through everybody here. Beth gets to live as the Beth God created her to be. And what's more is now Jesus leaves us with the Holy Spirit. So not only do we reflect God through us, but God lives inside of us. So that means that power and authority over sin and death live inside of us. So there's a, there's a verse that we um, often quote that says, God will not tempt us beyond our ability. And do you know why that is? That's because the God who has power over anything that can tempt us, over anything that can take away our identity, lives inside of us. He has the power over anything that could come our way. Thank you. (laughs) We no longer have to live as our old selves under sin. We can live as our new selves, created as God created us to be. In Ephesians 4, verse 21 to 24, this is very cool. I'm getting some sort of like Star Trek music coming on right now. Um, (laughs) I'm sure we can uh, incorporate that. (laughs) Ephesians 4, verse 21 to 24 says, When you heard about Christ, and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires. Notice being corrupted. To be made new in the attitudes of your mind and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. 
Now, notice this verse doesn't say that the old self is gone. It doesn't say that there's no longer any sin or any temptation. You know, we still have free will. Um, And God will never force us to become who he wants us to be. It is being corrupted by deceitful desires. So we can choose to still live in that old, old self. We can choose to not love others and not love God. That is our choice. But we can also choose to let God have authority over that sin. And we can choose to live as our new selves created in his image. It is our choice. Now imagine how it would impact this community if we all chose to live as the people God created us to be. Imagine how that would impact our vision to intentionally build community if the community looked at us and were drawn to God because of his image in us. So it's our choice. Will we choose to live as this old self under the power of sin? Or will we choose to let God have the authority and to transform us into the people he has called us to be and he has created us to be 